0: You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. So the other day I was uh, hanging out with my kids and we were at the apartment and um, our apartment set up. There's, there's a big room and then a long hallway and two more rooms, one at the very end of the hallway and one halfway down. And what I like to do with my kids is I like to sit on one end of the hallway and we'll have the basket of balls and I'll throw balls down the hall and they'll go get them and they'll bring them back to me and I'll throw them down the hall again and they'll go get them and bring them I know what you're thinking and no this is not me playing fetch with my children we're playing ball and my kids love it but I play a ball with my kids and, and my littlest one Pippin he's just over a year old he uh he loves a ball but I mean I don't know if you've ever hung out with a one-year-old boy before, but pretty much I can assure you that in their top three things that have ever existed to their knowledge, ball is, is one of those. You know, they, they just love a ball. And, and Pippin is, is going, he's running just as hard as his brother and sister, but they're faster than him. And so they're getting all the balls and bringing them back, and he's still; he just keeps turning back and forth in the middle of the hallway trying to, to get a hold of one. Uh, Finally, kal gives up. uh, One goes in the playroom or something, and he's distracted. And so Pippin is able to get a hold of not just a ball, but one in each hand. And he is thrilled. He comes running back. And if you've seen Pippin grin, you know what I'm talking about. He's just, "Ah!" I mean, he's so excited. Everything is completely right in his world at this moment because he has got a ball in each hand. Nothing could be any better than this. That is, until his mom walks into the room holding a plate of cookies. And Pippin is a smart kid. My kids are intelligent. And that's not just Patrick the dad talking. That is uh, an observer of children that works at an elementary school that knows what smart kids look like. My kids are smart. Pippin sees this plate of cookies and says, I need a cookie. And so he starts grunting, mm, uh, mm, uh," because that's how Pippin talks. He's only a year old. But in Pippinese, what that translates to is, Mother dear, might I please partake of the delicacy that's proffered on that tray that you hold? And Ashley, being a good mom that she is, understands exactly what Pippin is saying. And so she picks up a cookie and starts to hand it to him. But here's the problem. Pippin's still got two balls in his hand. He's got one in each hand, and he's reaching up with those, and he's trying to get his cookie, but but he can't. So Ashley says, buddy, you gotta, you got to put down one of your balls so you can take your cookie. And Pippin just holds his balls and grunts harder. Ugh, ugh, please just give me the cookie. Please just give me the cookie. And Ashley is trying to give him the cookie, but he won't let go of the balls. And so he stands there with his hands in the air, tears rolling down his face, just wanting a cookie. Have you ever been there where you see something off in the distance you saw something off in the distance and you said man that is great that is wonderful that is exactly what i'm looking for but even now today you can't tell me whether it was or not because your hands were full you couldn't reach out for it something was holding you back something that you were holding was holding you back Seems to be the way life goes for most of us, doesn't it? And by that I mean we get really comfortable with the things that we have. The things that are already in our possession. We want to hold on to them. We want to hold tight to them. We want to know that they're ours and that they're safe. It's probably why last year in America alone, over $22 billion was spent on home security systems. That's with a B, billion dollars. And and it's projected that by 2017, it'll be over $34 billion that are spent on home security systems in just the United States. It's because we want to keep a hold of the things that we've gotten. We want to make sure that nobody can take stuff from us. We want to hold on to it so tight and have our hands so full. And friends, I think that it's a problem. Because we seem to care more about what we have right now than what we can have if we try. There's an old adage that goes, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And you know, there's some really, really great truth in that. Because we don't need to want more just for the sake of wanting more. That's not positive. But too often as I observe this world, we see people that are holding on to a snake that's biting them and poisoning them and hurting them. And they say, well... This is all I've got, so I'm going to hold on to it as tight as I can. This is all i got, so I'm going to put an alarm system on it. I'm going to put a security system on my car. I'm going to pay a company to watch over my identity to make sure that I'm still me when I wake up in the morning. I mean, even our computer passwords have gotten more and more complicated You've got to have at least five characters with an uppercase and a lowercase and a number and a special character and none of them can repeat and they've all got to be something different and they can't actually make a word. And that's all just to protect that sweet email address you came up with. But we do all this stuff to protect what we've got our grubby little mitts on. And the worst part is it's not limited just to those material possessions. It's not limited just to stuff. We seem to do this in every aspect of our lives. We hold on to things that we know are bad for us because at some level, in some way, they make us feel safe or they make us feel comfortable. You know, people stay in abusive relationships because they're worried if they leave this person that they'll never find love again. People stay at jobs that they hate, that will never go anywhere, that will never offer any advancement because, hey... You know, something's got to be better than nothing, right? People go back to the same drugs and the same addictions and the same problems over and over and over again because there's something that's comfortable about it. I've been here before. I recognize the surroundings. I understand. It's like I'm coming home. And I feel like there's security there. We end up like Linus from Charlie Brown holding on to our blanket as tight as we can just to get that little bit of feel of comfort and security but what if what if 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 we could let go of all of that what if we could let go of those things that are mediocre that we cling to that we believe bring us comfort and security only to find out that we never understood what true security was Last week, Chris started off this teaching series, Losing Myself, or Lose Myself, Finding Jesus by Letting Go of Control. And Chris, last week, he talked about letting go of our lives, of losing our lives, and only by losing our life can we truly find life. And it was a really great message. If you hadn't get a, had a chance to hear it yet, uh, it is on the web, on the podcast. You can go check that out, um, and I would recommend it, because I, I thought he did a good job last week. But here's the question that we've got to answer today. What happens when we decide that we can be willing to let go of the things that make us feel secure? What happens when we decide that we can let go of security? Every week adventure, we like to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And I want to do that today. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. If you've got a Bible, you can flip there now. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, there's some under some of the chairs. You can grab one of those. And if you don't have one at home, um, take one of these home with you today. I won't tell Chris if you don't. It'll be, it'll be nice. You can have that uh, because it's good to have a Bible. It's good to be able to sit down and read. And right here at the beginning of the new year, it might be something that can start your year off just right. Um, but we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. Go ahead and find that and hold your place there. But I want to give you a little bit of background of what's going on in the book of Hebrews and with the book of Hebrews at this point. You see, the book of Hebrews was a letter that was written to the Jewish population that was being converted to Christianity. It was a letter that was written to say, hey, you know what, guys, you're not changing religions You're just becoming part of the fulfillment of the one you've been a part of your whole life. And it's written in a way that they understand all the history and all the genealogy and all the different things that are going on. Well, in Hebrews 11, which is just before Hebrews 12, the way the numerical system works, Hebrews 11 you read and it's called the faith chapter. And if you go through, it talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all these great men and women of Hebrew faith. And how they did things that were credited to them as righteousness. How they did things that showed their great faith in God. And then Hebrews 12 starts this way. It will be up on the screen. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's all those people from Hebrews 11, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer says, look at all of these people, all of these great heroes of the faith, all of these men and women, look at what they did, because they're there to encourage you. They're there to push you forward. They're there to press you on towards that goal, and that goal being Jesus Christ. And a lot of times, that's where preachers will go when they, they do this verse, when they share this thought. They'll go, all right, well, we've got we to gotta run this race. We've got to keep looking at Jesus. We've got to keep those blinders on like a racehorse so that we're not distracted and keep going to Jesus. And that's a great comment and a great thought and a great sermon, but it's not this sermon. Because I want to look at something that a lot of people overlook as they read through this passage of Scripture. Something that may not have even caught your eye right then as we read it. Just after it talks about that great cloud of witnesses, it makes a comment. The writer says how we should run. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's not just about running. It's about running free. It's not just about running towards Jesus. It's about running towards Jesus without all the baggage of our past and all the baggage of everything that we've got in our lives. He simply says we've got to let go. And specifically, he tells us two things to let go of. He says we've got to let go of sin, and we've got to let go of everything else that hinders. Now, as we learn about Jesus, as we start studying the Word, as we start studying the man, as we we start learning about him, we're inevitably going to learn about what sin is. Sin is that idea of missing the mark. It's, It's breaking the rules that God has established. And the more we study, the more we'll understand that the rules that God has set up, that that boundary that He has given us to live within, is a huge boundary, and it's one that is there just for our protection. One that is there to keep us safe. And the more you learn about those rules that God has, the more you realize, hey, you know what? These things just make sense. And when I go against these rules, which is sin, negative things happen bad things go, occur. I feel distant from God. I, I get this separation. I get this anxiety. I, I get this, this feeling of oppression because of the stuff that's in my life. I got a good friend that uh, has been through a lot of struggles in his life. And, and recently he went through something that was just this huge battle with sin. One that he didn't succeed in. And when he got on this side of it, I was talking to him and trying to help him figure out what the next step was. And he looked at me and he said, Patrick, I can't talk to God anymore. I I can't seem to pray. I can't figure out how to articulate my thoughts. I, I can't talk to God anymore. Because that's what sin does. It creates a wedge. And the more sin that we have in our lives, the bigger the wedge is and the heavier it is. And the harder it is to get connected with God. And it's only by getting rid of that sin, by, by destroying it, by casting it off, are we able to get back to that place. That's what my friend had to do. He stumbled across some more of that same sin, and he was able to crush it and destroy it. And he said as he was doing it, he was able to connect that with God in a way that he hadn't felt in months. I was so thrilled and excited for him. But that's what sin does to us. And if that's what it does, then why do those of us who love God, those of us who are on His side, those of us who have made the decision to follow Him, why do we still do it? Why do we still hold on to sin? I'm going to share a secret with you, uh, one that has gotten me in trouble as a youth minister before, but it's a true statement, and I'm going to share it with you, so don't tell anybody I said this, but sin is fun it is sin is fun think about it think about it if sin was jabbing a poker in your eye there probably wouldn't be many people in the world that had a problem with sin now don't get me wrong there would be people to be like oh god says i can't do this i'm doing it but but for the most part most of us would be like "Nah, you know what i don't need a hot poker in the eye i'm good but sin is fun sin is is this thing that we have this momentary enjoyment and we think man this is great why is this wrong why is this bad But more than that, because of that fun aspect of it, sin makes us feel safe and comfortable a lot of the time. It gives us a pass. It gives us a buy, It lets us go and do something that, that we normally shouldn't be able to do or to get away with something that we should have to pay for. You know, you've been there. You, you made a mistake, you did something, you messed up, and, and what do you do? You don't go to your boss and you fess up and you say, well, sir, you know, I, I, I'm I the one that broke the copier because I was being stupid. No, you, you make up something. I don't know, a kid was in there and messing with it, and you just tell a lie because it keeps you safe, right? Or when you're feeling down about yourself and you're, you're like, man, your self-esteem is just plummeting, what do you do? You go find your friends and you talk junk about somebody else because somehow making them look bad makes you seem to feel better and you gossip and you gossip maybe go further than that maybe you get so down that you got to go and you drown your sorrows in drugs and in alcohol because it dulls the pain it pushes those problems off of the distance and when they're off in the distance they're they're far away they can't hurt you and you're safe and you're comfortable friends i don't i don't know I don't know where you are right now, but I'm sure that those of us that have been cho- that have chosen to be followers of Jesus, we've tripped on some of these things. but these things have tangled us up, and they brought us instead of to a place of safety and comfort, to a place of pain and despair. And so we've got to start choosing to let go of the sin. And that's a hard thing to do, but that's where we've got to be. But it's not just the sin that this writer has warned us about. It's not just sin. It's not just those things that are absolutely negative. Look at that first part of that that statement. It says, cast off everything that hinders. Do you understand what that means? That means that there are things in this world that are not necessarily evil, that are not inherently bad, that are not completely awful, that can still stop you from following God the way you're supposed to. That can still keep you from doing exactly what God wants you to do. Remember Pippin standing there with those two balls in his hand, reaching up to his mom, trying to get that cookie? There's nothing evil about those plastic balls. There's nothing evil about them. They're, They're not sinful to hold them. But in that moment, it was hindering him from getting what his mom was offering that was good and better, and I think even better than a ball. What are we holding on to that keeps us from getting what our Father is offering? Because most of us are. We've got something in our life. Most, if not all of us, are holding on to something and I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is in your life that you're grasping, that you're clutching, that you're saying, this one thing I need, this one thing keeps me safe. This one thing is everything that I need to have. I don't know. I don't know where you are on that, but it may be sin. Maybe that's what you're holding on to. You know it's sin. You know it's wrong. And you're holding on to it tightly because there's plenty of time to repent. You've got a long life ahead of you. you got plenty of time. You can, you can have fun now and just say I'm sorry later and you'll be okay. Or maybe you, you just haven't quite gotten to that place where you're like, God, I'm going to give you everything, but I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to give you most, but I'm going to hold on to this one spot because this spot is my spot. I don't know, maybe for you, you're here today and You don't even know if what Jesus is offering is really that good yet. You don't know if it's worth giving up anything for, and so you hold on. So, what are we supposed to do? If all of us have something that we're holding on to, something that makes us feel safe, something that makes us feel comfortable, something that we just want to hide behind just a little bit longer, what are we supposed to do? Jesus in the book of Matthew tells a lot of stories. Uh, These stories are often called parables. And that's just a big fancy word that means a story that's about normal stuff that teaches us about godly stuff. Uh, A story about earthly things that teaches us about heavenly things. And and Jesus tells a couple in Matthew 13 uh, back to back, really short, probably the shortest of the parables. uh, And they go like this, starting at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then went with all his joy and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Jesus is saying here the kingdom of heaven is priceless. The kingdom of heaven is worth not just giving up our sin. Not just pushing away those things that are hindering us in this time, in this moment. But being willing to let go of everything. Are you catching that? Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is so valuable that we should be willing to give up everything. And friends, that's a little bit scary to stand up here and say. Because there's a lot of things in my life that I love there's my family and and there's my friends and there's, there's venture church that I'm growing to love more and more every Sunday and, and during the week when I interact with folks. But it says, be willing to give up everything. And some of you might be here this morning and you're looking at me going, everything. Wow. Everything, everything like all of everything, I I could barely give up an hour and 15 minutes this morning. That was all I could do. And you know what? If that's you today, if that's all you could do, that's a great first step. That's the first step that everybody that's a follower of Jesus in this room right now had to make at some point. They had to say, you know what? I'm going to go and give up this hour. I'm going to go and make this particular sacrifice. And I want to encourage you to come and make it again next week. But we've got to give up everything. Because when we do, we gain that that security that God is offering. When we say, I'm willing to let anything go, anything fall away, anything be gone, anything because it might stop me from worshiping God in the way that He desires for me to worship Him. Then we come to a new place and a new understanding. But I do want to give you a little bit of a warning. And that warning is simply this, God's idea of security and our idea of security don't always mesh. They're not always on the same line because to us we think we'll set up cameras and we'll set up alarms and we'll set up companies to watch over us and we'll be secure. But really all we've got is a quicker way to tell us when something went wrong, when something went bad. Alarms and security don't stop burglaries, they just let us know they happened. But God says, look, I have seen all of time and all of space and if you come to me and give up everything, I will put you on a path that will keep you safe. Sounds good, doesn't it? To be on a path that there's, there's no danger, there's no, no problems. Well, here's the problem with that. Again, God's idea of safe and our idea of safe are... Because to us, safe means not having to worry about anything. To us, safe means that there's going to be no possible way to be injured. To us, safe means the status quo will not be interrupted. But to God, safe means understanding that this life is temporary. And that eternity is forever. Safe means knowing that whatever happens in this world, we still have a home on the other side a home where we get to spend it with God, that we get to spend it worshiping Him and loving Him and serving Him. Because that's what safe is to God. Because God understands this world that we live in isn't the world that He created and said, this is good. That because of sin entering the world, it's been corrupted, it's fallen. There's things that are going on that that should never have happened. Death was not supposed to exist in this world but now we fear for it. But he says, you don't have to. You can be safe because heaven is still heaven. Earlier I talked about Hebrews chapter 11 and and how it went through all the heroes of the faith and the the people that you can look to for encouragement. And if you read through Hebrews 11, you see that it, it talks about how each of them sacrificed something to show their great faith. How Abraham packed up and left to go, who knows where? Because God said go. How Isaac, or, or how Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain and held up the sword or the knife to dagger the, this to slay him and to offer him as a sacrifice? Because hey, God can bring people back from the dead. So why am I worried? God told me to do it. He stepped out on faith, willing to give up everything because God's idea of safe matched his. But at the end of Hebrews 11, the writer gives us a really cool just statement of God's idea of of safe. Check this out. Starting at verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. That sounds great, doesn't it? That sounds like amazing safety. Everything's going right for these guys. Everything is beautiful. Everything is perfect. But Hebrews 11 doesn't stop there. It continues on. There were others who were tortured Refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and were in chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and in the mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. But they were safe. They were safe by God's definition of safety. They had complete security in the knowledge that God loved them and wanted them to spend eternity with him. So it didn't matter what happened to their physical body. It didn't matter what they went through. These are the people from that great cloud of witnesses that we can look to to run this race. That we can look to to go along this path. That we can look to to say, you know what, my life isn't that bad. The things that I have happened to me aren't the same as being sawed in two. We can see that encouragement as it pushes us forward. The encouragement to know that we're not doing this alone. That while we have to let go and we have to let God, we've got to do these things, but He's not going to leave us alone because our God is smart enough and our God is good enough that He saw that we needed help. That we needed help to be able to let go of all of these things. That we needed help to lose our security. And so he sent part of himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. So he could live a life completely sinless. He could die and raise again. So that he could show us the way to God. So that he could show us how to let go. But he didn't leave us stranded even then. He also sent his spirit to live within us as we become part of the body of Christ to be a guide and a conscience. To be a comforter. You know, it's, it's amazing the way analogies work out in this world. I heard a story this week of, of this guy named Rick. Rick was, was born uh, with the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. And they didn't get it undone fast enough and too much oxygen lost for too long. And parts of his brain died. So Rick was never and will never be able to walk or to speak. But through the years, they figured out that Rick was actually a pretty intelligent young man. And they, they rigged up a machine for him to be able to use his eyes to, to communicate, to, to type on a computer. So he would, he would search for a thing and then bump it with his head and then keep going. And It took him a little while to do it, but he, he got the hang of it and he figured it out. When Rick was in high school, one of his classmates got sick. And his family decided to do a 5K run for him. When Rick got home that day, he told his dad through his communication device, he says, I want to run in that race because I want to help out this guy. And Rick's dad had never been a runner. He, he'd never tried being a runner. He had never done a 5K before, but he started training that day. And he got ready, and they ran that race with Rick in his wheelchair and his dad pushing him. And when they got done at the end of that race, Rick looked at his dad and said, Today, for the first time, I felt normal. Today, I didn't feel handicapped anymore. And so Rick's dad kept training. And Rick and his dad kept running. And the last count that I heard was they had done over 72 marathons and more than 40 triathlons. Rick sitting there, not able to do anything, completely vulnerable, completely let go with his father pushing him. Let me show you a picture of what that looks like. as that father pushes his son across that finish line. Guys, God doesn't want you to let go of this and be alone. He wants to be there to hold you up. That song, it gets me every time because as we were looking at our life and we were trying to decide what to do next, um, every time we would get at a point that, that there was a crossroads, it seemed like this song, Oceans, would come up. And over and over and over again, Ashley and I were trying to make decisions about the future, and this song would come up. And, and all we could say was, we've got to trust God. And that's how we ended up in Wilmington. We we decided, let's let go of everything and go and do what we think God wants us to do more than anything else. And we got here, and it's been so huge and such a blessing. And I, and I feel like Rick in that chair, just holding up my arm saying, God, I don't know what's going on, but I... <laughs> you know, You can ask guys, this isn't me. I I don't get emotional talking about this stuff, but this is real. When you can let go of those things that are hindering you, even if it's something like a job, let go of the things that are stopping you from doing what God is saying, and don't worry about money, and don't worry about finances. Not saying completely ignore them, but saying, you know what? God will take care of you. Because when you're doing what He wants you to do, when you're within His will and you're following Him, He's doing all the work and you just got to trust what he's telling your heart as he leads you out in that deep water. He's the one pulling the boat. He's the one keeping you safe.